0: Welcome to this very first episode of Australian Hunger. I am your host, Ben, and as I discussed previously in this sort of introductory episode, this is a podcast devoted to heavy music, particularly heavy music interviews, and I've got a really special show today. So, when I was planning this show, when I was thinking about what it's actually going to be, you know, interviewing bands, primarily on, on phone lines, across Skype, because that's basically the easiest way to do things. Um, a lot of bands are obviously not co-located with me in any sort of near place and most fans I don't think are going to be particularly interested in going some ways to a person's house to record a podcast as much as you know they might want to do an interview. It's kind of a bit of a weird thing for a podcast as opposed to maybe a radio station which I was doing previously when a couple of bands come into the studio for that and so that's perfectly understandable, that's that's exactly what I plan to do and so that's what I was expecting. But something weird happened when I was playing this show, sending emails out to people who I was hoping to get interviews with. So I sent an email out to a guy called Brendan Sloan, who has a project called Convulsing. Now, this is a project which did unexpectedly well on Bandcamp, got in the top five of all releases, really, really amazing, especially for a kind of out-there death metal project, which is what he's doing. So I hit him up and said, hey, do you want to do an interview? He said, yep. And I'm like, oh, can we do it over Skype? And he says, yeah, yeah, sure, but I'm actually going to be in Melbourne, which is where I'm located. He lives in Adelaide. He's going to be in Melbourne for a show. And I thought... That's interesting. I've actually never gone and interviewed someone on location. I've got a digital recorder. I checked if the audio quality was going to be all right. I thought, yeah, we can probably do it. Uh, yeah, let's go. So I agreed and I started do my research and I realized that the show he's going to be doing is a festival called NegFest. Now, this is put on by my friend over at a label called Artist Catharsis, Lockendale. And I hit him up and I said, anyone else want to do some interviews? And he graciously uh, set me up with an interview with another band called Omahara. And he graciously also gave me an interview with himself. And even more graciously, and I want to be completely transparent about this, he... Also set me up with a free guest pass for the show. Really, really cool. Had some noise artists, some grindcore, uh, some weird death metal and convulsing. Also some kind of post-metal, post-rock stuff. uh, As well as whatever you want to call Obahara. (laughs) Very weird band. Um, So yeah, really great night. Got to do some, some... Got to do some interviews on location, which is something I've never done. Now, the audio recording, you know, obviously isn't as good because it's recording in a pub. There's lots of noise from the show, from people walking back and forth, and from people just talking like they do in a pub. So the audio quality is not going to be as good as it will be in future episodes. So so that's going to be an issue for you. Tune in at the end of this week. I'm going to have an interview with Skull Cave, the very first interview I did over the phone, and I think it turned out quite well. So that's something to look forward to um yeah so without further ado my very first interview with brendan sloan from convulsing it's really really fun and he got into a nice bit of depth about why he decided to do the project as well as kind of what influenced the project really really interesting stuff to hear kind of the very personal origins of a project like this
1: I'm, I'm pretty well all things considered.
0: That's really good, um, let's start off Let's start off with the gig tonight, um, how'd you get here, what's your day been like?
1: Well, I relocated um, shortly before the release of the album, which I finished in January but I kind of had to sit on it for a while before I could put it out, um, waiting for artwork and things like that. Um, about two weeks prior to releasing the album I moved from Sydney to Adelaide to live with my partner. Um, And so since the release I've just been, you know, practicing it at home in the kitchen, which is where the two videos came from, the recent one. Um, And drove here from Adelaide yesterday, saw no name at the um, forum last night and now we're here. Awesome.
0: Awesome. So how are you feeling? How you, you know, this is, I believe this is your first live show as Compulsive? This is the
1: first performance of this material ever. Yeah. And it's the... I guess you could call it the second and a half time that Peter, Robin and I have been in a room playing this music together. Like we rehearsed one time um, in Sydney shortly before a Mortis support thing that I was helping Grey Team out with. Um, But since then, that was in like June or July or something and then I fucked off to Adelaide and so since then we haven't had a chance to do it. And we met up for two hours midday today, ran through everything and went, yeah that'll do, cool. That's as good as it's going to get in the circumstances. Yeah. Um, And now we're playing tonight. Yeah, that's one of the things that
0: kind of, for me as a incredibly poor musician, but for something like you know you as a you know rock musician who's released albums and all this sort of stuff, like actually getting together and getting yourself to making material work as different people is not actually that difficult if you guys know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the best part about this set of. Boys that I'm playing with. Peter Peter Cosson is a legend. We have a mutual interest in like Nicholas McMaster of Kralis. That's kind of how we met. And so you'll see him playing a six string bass tonight and you know, kind of we're both sycophants for Nick, he's um, Pete's great. Um, and Robin has been in a billion bands. He's like a well known session hand, and also just a lovely guy. He's like he he replaced Dave Haley in the Amento, for instance, for a little while. Um, he's tracked countless kind of ghost written drum parts for other bands that um, I don't think I was supposed to say that he's played for like a billion other bands some secret, some not um, and he's a good mate both of these guys are the only two people I could think of to put that we could do this material with minimal rehearsal so like Pete's like conservatorium trained and it just lives and breathes music, and we're all kind of kindred spirits in in the way we approach music and how quickly we learn it and how we internalize it, so we didn't need the band experience necessarily, it was just to like, okay, who's standing on the left, who's standing on the right, when do I look at you in this queue, just like business things like that to get the... Material played, but the actual performance aspect of it, I wouldn't trust anyone else at this point to do it. Which is why there isn't another guitar part. I'm just doing both at the same time, kind of.
0: Yeah, that's the next question I had for you. How did you go about putting together what the music's actually going to be for the show? So, like, obviously, you could just say, "Let's just play one of the guitar parts," or you could have a more complex view. How did you approach this? Okay, um, the
1: set will comprise, it's going to be largely the debut album, like mostly, um, just because they're the easiest songs to play with the guitars that I have. Um, the first and last track on Grievous were written in a completely stupid and impractical tuning and it's realistic that I can't fly an extra guitar around just to play those two songs and also Peter and Robin didn't want to play them because it requires a stupid tuning for the bass as well um, and you know having an extra bass with you onto it's just nonsense. So. Those two were out, so we took the middle of Grievous, and we'll play that, um, and there'll be some choice cuts from Errata. The split won't get a look in, because it's a little too, I couldn't decide which bits of it to play, because it's kind of a 20 minute long theme. It was like, so do I just play the first minute and a half to two minutes, and then the last two minutes, like, which bits? Because they're kind of, it's a, it's like divided into sweets. So the, it kind of approached it like that, and then after that point it was like, okay, I'm probably going to have to play both guitars at the same time for ease. Which of the songs that I've got can I do that most easily with? So we've kind of selected all of those based on, you know, which parts go together easy, more easily, like, in a combination. It's It gets a little bit more heady and musical than that, in like, I'm like, I'm comping my bass lines on one side with the melody from the other side at the same time. So it's like half and half of each part played at the same time, kind of like a, a Joe Pass jazz style thing. So it just goes over people's heads normally when I start to talk about it. Yeah, but, that was the sound of it going over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but So it's, yeah, it's like a mishmash. So there'll be some parts that are missing, some parts that are there, but I've tried to choose the good bits and get rid of the middling bits that don't contribute as much to the pieces, so it should be okay.
2: Mm.
0: So, as mentioned, first show, how did you get involved in Negfest?
1: I've known Lachlan for a long time. Um, My real band, Scare Quotes, Dumb Saint, have played a ton of shows for him. Um, The guitar player that I replaced in Dumb Saint is in Lachlan's Doom band, Adrift For Days, Ron. Um, so I've known him for a long, long time, and he's been in a bunch of cool stuff himself like Serious Beak and Jackals and Battle Pope and all that kind of early artist catharsis stuff that I dug when I was investigating the Sydney music scene like, you know, ten years ago. Um, so I've known him for a while, and so he just kind of leaned on me very hard <laughs> to like, I want to put on Negfest again this year. Um, will you, will you just, can you just do it for me man, just come on, and then like made a, a teaser thing on Instagram, kind of guilting me into it, it was like, I'm gonna try and get this other band that's never played before, um, to play a show, and uh, will probably be good, so it was like, the pressure was mounting, so I was just like, oh, alright, okay, fine, I might as well, I don't know if I'm gonna, like, life is tumultuous at the moment, I don't know if I'm getting this opportunity again to play it as easily, so, I thought I'd take it, and here we are.
0: Awesome. Uh, let's sort of, sort of you know, it'll cover the sort of live aspect of it, let's go back and cover band music. Sure. How did the band start?
1: My bass player, James, in Dum Saint um, went overseas to do like a USA tour thing. Um, the other guitar player had a kid. It was just like a, a gap of about six months in band activity for Dum Saint. And so at that point I was like, well, I need to occupy myself somehow. Um, How do I, what do I, and then I just ended up doing this sort of thing. That's like the the simplified version. The slightly more contextual version is my grandmother died in 2015, and I got kind of like a dose of mortality from that, which was like, she was the one who pushed me into music quite hard um, throughout my life and I made it to like 26 and I hadn't done anything of my own off my own back to be like this is completely my own stuff and this is what your effort led to as a nurturer of me so when she died I was like oh, shit I haven't done anything that I could have showed her before she died I probably should fix that and so that's also what contributed to it in a, in a big way of like this I need to I, I need to make my mark and so I kind of had a crack at it it gets a little bit longer than that of other things that have combined into it like I tried to put together another little project with the drummer of Dumb Saint around the time of the break to kind of keep things moving but it turned into this instead so the stuff I wrote for that project that didn't happen became this and it just kind of went on from there and by the time I did the first one and suddenly like Jeff Whitehead and Aaron Turner and Mike Scheidt from Yob and like ridiculous like Dan Gargiulio from Artificial Brain and like all these people are buying it and then sending me messages going like, hey man, can I get some like, get some tapes or something from you? I'm like, what the fuck are you? What are you doing? Who are you? Why? Um, It just kind of rolled on from there. And the split happened in a similar way. Like Dan from Siberian Hell Sounds, who we'll play with in Brisbane, just sent me an email out of the blue. He was like, hey, we should do a split. I went, oh, I don't have any material. And then like two months later, I had material because he asked me and so it was in my head. so it's just kind of just it just happened. Like, <laughs> I'm not really thinking too much about it. Mm-hmm. It's just going on. Where did
0: the name Convulsing come from?
1: I honestly don't remember. It was definitely gonna be from like a text file of just random names and <laughs> things. I was trying to think of something that wasn't just like um uh like headless death, although they're a fantastic band, but you know, like a stereotypical metal thing, because what I'm writing about in the songs isn't particular it's like it's more like introspective and self-critical and a lot of it is like um, kind of like DSBM topics but in death metal I guess so lots of you know, self-worth issues and things like that so you can't really call your band you know like autopsy <laughs> if, you're, if that's the kind of stuff you're writing about so I ended up with this weird kind of what genre is this type of name where it was like is it tech is it black metal is it doom is it whatever because I'm not really any of those things all the time Yeah. so something like that but I couldn't tell you the, the moment that it came to me it was just like probably on a text file of other things realistically
0: <laughs> um, so the latest album Grievous so you release uh, the first album at what stage does Grievous and uh, you begin to think hey I should work on this or hey I have been working on this at what stage does
1: Grievous Grievous was completely written between July and November of last year um, in July I lost my job um, the band wasn't doing anything um, I wasn't really going anywhere I had no prospects like no leads no nothing nothing was going on and I just kind of felt like "Oh, I just worked for this one job and just done or like poured I thought I had a life I have sorted kind of but on closer inspection I didn't really and so I was going through like a weird thing of what's my direction here um, particularly because of the, the way my job ended was kind of messy it felt like a big weight was lifted off my shoulder but then a big gap of where my energy was devoted to um, so I filled it with writing a weird album about like hugely self-worth things and it's kind of chronological in the way i wrote it as well um so like the first track on it beaten through to the end kind of is the stages of grief and inverted commas of like going through kind of like an identity crisis and a sense of self disappearing and the artwork is the same like i briefed jeff who insisted to do the artwork for this like when we were talking he was like you should let me paint this and i went you mean let you're jeff white you were jeff whitehead I'm not doing this project without you. Like, it's, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I hadn't heard Leviathan when I was, like, 15. So for him to go, I should paint you something, is, yes, Jeff, yes, three bags full. Like, <laughs> of course you will. Um, so that was his kind of spin on that theme was the kind of stained glass man shattering while, like, being constricted by serpents and, like, trying to hold his bits together and he can't and it's all kind of dissolving away mm. but inside is still like a structure there's like you can see kind of like wooden bits on the inside so the essence is still there but like the, the shell around the outside is dissolving away so that's his his spin on that topic and it just happened all at once like he sent me a sketch and then 24 hours later it was done I was like oh alright cool thanks man. I have no further input. I tried not to give him any input at all and he was like, no, you have to give me some sort of brief. I went, oh, but I just want to see what you'll do. So I kind of got halfway there and I, I like the result. It's good.
0: Definitely. It's, it's fascinating because I saw that album on Bandcamp and like, I I didn't know who it was by. Like, I don't think the album has you know, the name on it and I thought that's a good album because the, the artwork is clear.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the same thing with the first one. I didn't put a, a logo on it or anything because I, I like art, like I like looking at the work that's been done. The first one was done by Josh Skinner, um, who hasn't done really. Any, I don't think he's done any other covers, but he has a very unique, like idiosyncratic style of kind of pointillist weirdness. Um, and that was originally a, a piece proposed for a Sane album that we didn't use, but I loved it. So I contacted him about it and said, hey, can I use this? And I didn't want to, like everywhere I put text on it, fucked it up. And it's the same with this one from Jeff. Everywhere I put text on it, just ruins the the feeling of it. Or like, what do I do? Put a border around it and put the text on it? I hated it. So I just left it to speak for itself.
0: That's fair enough. Um, So how do you personally write? So you've, 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 let's say you've, saying alright I'm gonna write some music I'm working on this new album I mean, What, what is it that you're doing at that stage how do you write something
1: it's uh, it's it's most a lot of it has lately come out of just mucking about on the guitar like I try not to I try to have something out um, and nearby at all times so that it's always like I walk past it and see and go oh yeah just you know before going to bed or something like oh just Talk about for 10 minutes and then something will come out of that previously I was writing like because I worked in a music shop I was just playing guitar all the time and I would just write weird stuff like I wrote or I'd be listening to something on the way to work and I'd get to work and write something like just similar or in the same vein or try not to like my influences are, are pretty clear and people love to remind me that like oh Moon, you sound like Ulsterate it's like of course I do they're like <laughs> literally they are one of my favourite bands of all time and I'm not surprised you would say that Um, I try to, to make it obvious, like, it's it's obvious enough, but I try not to rip them off wholesale. So it's like, I know, you can see where I got this from, but it's different enough. And I'm going to make it as much my own as I possibly can so that, you know, if I see Michael in the street, I won't be like, oh shit, I ripped your riff off and then (laughs) leave him alone. Um, but it's mostly just mucking about and then make a voice memo and then try and come back to it later. It was all, the writing process between the two albums and the split were both very different. Like, this release was written mostly um, guitars DI'd into my laptop. So I played it all into a laptop first and then reamped it at the end to get the guitar tone to be consistent. So that necessitates like a difference in how you sit and write. You don't write with an amp, you write with a laptop and that's a totally different feeling. Um, I didn't track the guitars live with an amp blasting at the back of my head like I did with Arata, so that changed the way they recorded and where they feel. Um, the process was just a, it's the same thing, but like the technical details changed a little bit in how I got the sounds out, so it affected how the sounds went in to the songs in the first place. But it's the same drum software, the same like it's Reaper still, the same bass technique, it's the same vocal like. Sm57 with a sock over it in a corner of my bedroom and you know shouting into it in my underpants and summer. like it's I'm not going to try and pretend I'm some glamorous aloof death metal wizard it's all very bare bones kind of DIY
0: yeah I think it really shows some sort of potential of this modern day that you as someone who's doing something independently in their own house without like a, a home studio or anything can put out a record that does so well and is so widely, positively received.
1: Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, it's not totally true that I'm a greenhorn completely. Like, I studied audio, mm. I've got a bachelor's, um, I just couldn't get work in the industry in Sydney because a lot of old people who have to die to make job vacancies happen. Um, so I've got all that knowledge and stuff that I've accumulated because it's like, ever since I've learned that Devon Townsend, like, mixed, mastered, recorded, engineered, like, all of his stuff for a long time, I thought, Fuck, I want to do that. So I got into it that way. So it's It wasn't like my first rodeo, per se, to do Arata, but I definitely put more effort into the more recent stuff, because Arata was always going to be like a throwaway. It was just, oh, I need to kill time, I want to make an album, I want to make it as good as I can get it to be, but I'm not going to kill myself for it. Whereas the most recent two was like, Oh, I've done a thing now haven't I and I have to live up a little bit to my own expectations and then the expectations of people who've previously supported it and were begging for more things.
0: So Peter is playing with you tonight. Now I was interested that in on I think it's track four
1: that is true he, he played
0: bass why, why, why did he play bass in that particular track
1: because I couldn't be bothered to write the bass part for that stupid song if I'm honest with you like it's a complicated song and I got tired of trying to come up with a bass part for like the middle part particularly the kind of r- the, the riff in inverted commas um, around like the two minute mark um, and we're mates we both love Kralis we both love Nick McMaster and Astomatus and Gary on and all those bass driven things and he he can play man like he's a ridiculous bass player and he has the style that I wanted and I was like well I'm not gonna do a poor interpretation of what Peter would play so I just asked him I said hey do you want to just do the just write the bass part for this song like I'd love to have you on the album we should play together can you just do it and he was like yeah all right and then well he it wasn't that easy to convince him he was more like oh, are you sure that I'll do a good job sort of thing and I went yes dickhead <laughs> just do it and then a day later he sent me this flawless bass part that appears on the album and I was like see this is a, see because he's been since making and Tan Christ stopped he's been playing with the Jezebels as a bass player yeah. so he hasn't done any heavy music in a little while and I was like dust off your six string bass mate come on and I've got an incredible bass part that I couldn't hope to play and he's now the a similar situation with playing with him. I was like, do you wanna, you played that song, I wanna play it, so I have to have you there. Do you wanna just do the thing? He was like, yeah, sweet, let's go. And now here we are.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's why he appears, because of my laziness, and I wanna see my friends make music. I just wanna hear my mates play music all the time, and that was an easy way to get him to do it.
0: Both, <laughs> yeah. um, the first album the slowest album they both feature a po- cover from Porky Boy yes why is that?
1: because they are arguably my favourite band um I would say they're both early covers as well so mm-hmm. the first one has what was it Sky Move Sideways which I think is from the album of the same title the same name but it's appeared on a bunch of things I heard it first as an acoustic thing on like a a record store in store that he did Stephen And the one that appears on this album is from Signify, which is probably my favorite porcupine tree record. I'm just obsessed with that band and I have been for a long time. And they're kind of, they're very important to me, like throughout my high school kind of days and that sort of nostalgic period of just having all the time in the world to listen to music and soak it up. And Porcupine Tree at the Enmore Theatre in 2008 was my first show that I ever went to as an of age person to go and see, because I was 18. Um, so they've got a special place for me. Um, and I, f- I thought those songs sounded good, like, and I wanted to try and interpret them a little bit because I like to hear what they would sound like if Stephen played them differently or through my lens, I guess. Mm. Just an homage thing. I'm hoping he doesn't hear them, and then or Warner don't hear them and like send me emails complaining because I didn't really okay the the rights holding or anything. I'm trying not to charge money for them, which is why it's not on the track list. It's just like if you download the thing on Bandcamp, you get it. But if you, it's not a selling point of the album at all. It's just like it's just there. Yeah. I just love that band, so I wanted to play the songs. So that's the end. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was fascinated that you did. I think it's the only clean vocals except for the choir on both of the albums, Is that, yes. isn't that right?
1: That's that's true, yeah.
0: Now, A, why that? B, why not the rest of the album? Especially given it's very emotional content.
1: Ugh, I never found a spot where the clean vocals sounded good in any of the other songs. Um, also I don't rate myself particularly highly as a clean vocalist. Like, I can kind of do it. There's, like, all of the... the the Porcupine Tree cover has about five tracks of vocals all in harmony um so I like I pushed myself a bit um the highest one is a bit suspect if I'm honest with you (laughs) it's almost almost a bit um but I just never found a spot in any other songs and better to do it on a cover than on my own material I guess to to be reaching for something that maybe not quite get it in a cover than you know um in my own material and then have to live with that. Mm.
0: Um, with, with the clean vocals choir, no, the re- on the rest of the yeah. Uh, um, what, what was the process for that? Was it sort of layering lots of you singing?
1: Yeah, I did it on the split as well in a slightly different way. Um, there's about 14 tracks of me just going like and just like I pitched it up and down in different spots to get that kind of chanty, titan blood thing on the split and then when it came time for this i just thought it would be funny if i tried to do a legitimate choir in the first track i actually did it for the last track first and it's in there if you listen carefully you can hear the choir in the, like the second verse of strewn adrift but i kind of mixed it down a heaps because it started to sound like a viking metal track <laughs> so it was a little bit too swords and shields on the mountain with like choirs underneath the verse so i just mixed it out but I didn't get rid of it completely. In the first track it made sense because it was just a static chord and it added to the harmonic depth of that whole bit and it doesn't sound too like ostentatious so I just left it in but they were just I did it on a whim and left it in and then I, the song sounded weird and flat without it it was just an additional element so nothing more than that.
0: Speaking of the split Long song, over 20 minutes. Mm. Is that how was it like making that song? Was it just
1: written and recorded in the order it appears? I just like opened a Reaper session and wrote that first minute and 45 seconds. It's like a Titan Blood Worship thing, so it literally like it starts with the reverse guitar trumpet sort of situation. It's like I was listening to Seven Chalices and I wanted to do. I reckon, or no, it was like Woven Black Arteries or whatever their 20 minute EP is. It's like I reckon I'm gonna do a 20 minute EP. And then that's the side B of a split, easy. So I just fired up all the cylinders. And it just, just in that order, basically. Um, it was just a brain dump. It's like, okay, what comes next? 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 Oh, about 20 minutes.
0: Instead of just finishing it, you just you ask, there should be more, what
1: is next? Yeah, essentially, yeah. What What does this lead to? And does it go anywhere? And then I got to the last riff in it, and it didn't have a, like, it was as climactic as it was going to get, that kind of dissonant, weird riff. And so I just stopped there, and I got to 20 minutes, so we just ended it at that point. Um, there's a voice memo that I recorded completely out of context right in the middle, like that where everything drops out and it's just the guitar going through heavy reverb. That's like a voice memo of a Dumb Sent demo that I didn't use, so I just threw that in there. It was, yeah, it's I'm demystifying it a lot. It's not, <laughs> it's not quite as... Um, Technical or like heady as it, it can sometimes seem on a project that sounds the way it does. It's very like stitched together.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple last questions about you. Sure. When do you start playing guitar? Uh, uh, 13 or
1: 14? I got into music through my grandmother, as I said, bashing around on like a, a Technics organ that she had because, you know, people in the 70s wanted to buy keyboards to entertain. So you come over and like play well, the inter- to with all your friends on your like keyboard with the bossa nova rhythm and so forth. So like two, key, two sets of keys and just bass pedals and just anyway, bashing around on that. Um, years later, I ended up in a concert band playing the flute and like saxophone and clarinet and woodwind stuff. And I did that for a couple of years, but at the same time I learned to like make house music because I got really into the Chemical Brothers, and then I met a friend who was also into the Chemical Brothers and his dad was into the Chemical Brothers and they both played guitar. And I was like, oh, can I just borrow that for like a weekend? And then just messed around with the guitar and I liked it. And at the same time I realized there's no place for flute if you wanted to play like Soulfly or System of a Down or like Roadrunner Records New Metal from 2001. So I was like, I can't play a flute in it. So I bought a guitar and started to learn how to play guitar and then eventually threw away the flute and just stuck with the guitar. So I've been playing for about 15, 16 years or something. Since I was probably about 12 or 13, Mm. I'd say. What about vocals? Um, Around mid to late high school, once I started listening to like cephalic carnage and like better bands inverted commas. Like I'll go on record and saying Slipknot Iowa is a fantastic record and fuck anyone who says otherwise.
0: Great, great.
1: But um I as as I listen to more and more stuff and like Opeth and Edge of Sanity particularly, um I wanted to write stuff like that. And like I heard like November's Doom and Mournful Congregation and My Dying Bride and like Peaceful Bands and a lot of them have this really big bombastic throaty guttural style and it's still really intelligible like the dude from November's Doom particularly was like you could understand every single syllable he was saying and Dan Swano as well from Edge of Sanity is like the most intelligible voice in death metal ever by far Um, so I just wanted to clone what they were doing and that's how I got into it um, but I've never had an opportunity until now to actually do that mm. so with my own project I figured yeah let's go.
0: Um, do you have any favorite albums uh, or artists, artists?
1: That's gonna be an impossible oh, question. Um, <laughs> it often is. As of, as of right now um, my favorite things that have been released in the last like six to eight months, Sleep Decade, a band from Melbourne, um, Casey made probably the best album of the year. It's called Collapse. It's not metal. A lot of this stuff is not going to be metal. Well, some of it will be, but... uh, They are incredible. It's a delicate, emotionally heavy... It's a crushing record, and it's quite demanding, even though it's, like, gentle and quiet. Um, It's an experience to sit and listen to it, and it's going to be my album of the year for sure. Canberra Band, Plowshare, just released. Australian Medal of the Year 2018. It's it's done, pack it up everyone. In Awful Salvation is the best thing that will probably be, get released this year. Um, the, the new Sumac just came out today. It's fucking amazing. Sumac is a required listen. Um, that's Aaron Turner's post-ISIS, post ISIS, post post, post 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 ISIS thing. Um, it just released today. Um, the what else? Frenzalypse just put out another EP. It just it just changes by the hour. I'm just into so much music. Um, there's one more in particular. Oh, um, our place of worship is silence. Um, They're one from January. What's it called? Um, in in inexorable suffering is fucking incredible. Eric is a inhumanly gifted rhythm guitar player. It's just like hammers. The whole album is just hammers. It just beats you to death. It's amazing. Um, and there's a few other things like that. I think Haunter is supposed to put out. Texas Man supposed to put out another thing this year that will probably end up on my list. Just on and on and on it goes. forever. No Name actually. I saw her. She's a rapper. She's an independent like soul rapper. If you've heard Digable Planets or like 90's socially conscious rap um, imagine that but with a little bit more of a 2018 slant on it, and you've got her. She's younger than me, she's like 25, 26 or something like that. She just put out an album a couple of days ago, Was just, is touring for it now, and it's wholesome as, and really opinionated and wonderful. Um, I just consume music, just all of it, everything. This is why when people ask me, what are you doing here, like at chose. I'm like, I went to see No Name last night wearing an Alta's jumper, and like, I'm wearing an iron lung shirt now. I was wearing an Ulsterate shirt probably like last night. I've been to see like a tribe Called quest in you know like ludicrous black metal bullshit. It's I just love music, I just all the time. That was kind of a roundabout way to answer that question. But just like all of the things. It changes all the time. I love everything.
0: <laughs> How do you listen to music?
1: Mostly um, on a phone. Like, if I'm being realistic, mostly in commutes. Um, lately, Can I haven't. Got headphones yeah, or? headphones 90% of the time. Um, I have a nice little like home setup. Well, I did have. I've moved to Adelaide and everything's kind of in flux at the moment. But it's mostly digital. Um, lately, there's been a lot of LPs because I've got a turntable set up all the time now. But it's mostly just digital on iPhone, iPod earphones, the earpods or whatever, the wired ones, not the wireless ones. Um, whatever I've got I'm not too fussy about it people will like go completely audiophile about it and as long as I know I'm familiar with the way things sound I can fill in the rest of the blanks in my mind or like I can you just have to be familiar with what you're using you don't have to worry too much about quality I think
0: mm. um, last question. Um, sort of question any last thoughts how do you
1: how do you feel about the show well um, it's been a pretty hectic day like three four hours ago i was doing a u-turn in a street in thornbury and my drive shaft snapped in half so i'm stuck here until probably monday afternoon at the earliest which is not something i expected so like i had a morning of dealing with that bullshit and you know having not played with the band properly i gonna be trying to get gear to a studio quickly to do a two-hour bash and then come here and it's just been hectic so i'm a little bit scattered but last time something like this happened, I was so angry that I played the best show of my life, so I'm hoping I'll do the same, I guess. Um, you'll have to tell me whether I do it all right. There's only a couple of sections that I'm particularly worried about, um, but we're all equally worried about it because it's challenging for them too, which is nice. So, no, I'm, that's a thought, I guess. That's a final thought, is life is difficult. Listen to music music makes things better death metal in particular makes things better but also like electronic music um so just do just do music have music in your life it's worked well for me
0: yeah it was really interesting interview with brendan because you know you see i think there are a lot of the problems with modern life the issues of losing one's self-identity with I don't know, job, job issues, issues with how you fit in with life. But then you also find yourself, or well, Brendan finds himself, the subject of attention from people he idolizes. And that, that's very weird because, in one sense, you've you've lost your self-identity but in other sense you've gained this self-identity and that that identity has been recognized by others a really interesting experience i really appreciate him talking to me so actually the first band they interviewed on the day was omahara ryan from omahara i actually didn't get a lot of time to prepare for the interview because i had only realized kind of the last minute that uh you know, it, I was going to be at NegFest, and I had the potential interview bands because I knew Lachlan from Artist Catharsis because he was setting up NegFest. And I really didn't have enough time to listen to it and, uh, you know, possibly do it justice. But I I, th- I hope that Ryan kind of appreciated my kind of basic questions, although to a certain extent, all my questions can be a little bit basic. But yeah, I, I th- hope that he appreciated... So I actually had to ask him which instrument he played because I couldn't find that information out. So I hope he wasn't too off-put, but I enjoyed the interview. It's kind of... He's one of the more difficult people interview because he's a little bit reserved about the process. I think we got a little bit out of him and... You know, it's something of interest from a band that is really doing some really interesting stuff. So this is Ryan from Omaha. Actually, this was one of their first shows doing the material that's going to make up their new album. So it's really, really interesting, especially since the stuff that I listened to just before heading out to the gig was very, very different. They're a band who is intentionally doing different stuff in each record. So seeing them live like that is, is basically a reveal of a completely different band. It's really, really fascinating. Last album last year. It's also called Omhara. the same as the first one.
2: Yeah, everything we do is every album we release is self-titled, and any um, piece therein is uh, titleless.
0: Mm, that was interesting. That because I've interviewed a couple of instrumental bands, um, label mates, Instrumental ad- Adjective, mm-hmm. um, as well as Sleep Makes a Wave and Instrumental Adjective. They have. Um, like sort of titles which reference the songwriting process. Sleep Make Ways, they just have random sort of song titles which kind of goes with the theme they're building on. Why not a title? I mean, it's kind of obvious, but like, you've got a choice whether to put a title up. Why not a title? Uh,
2: basically, the reason that we don't title our works is that our creative process is kind of, um, it's kind of like each of our... I guess personal contributions to the uh, to the uh, finished product that you end up hearing on one of our records is it's like we're all playing charades with each other but from behind a two-way mirror so something that would inform a piece of music that I might put in would be coming from usually like a pretty personal place that's something I'm writing about the other members of the band don't necessarily know what that is and that goes around in circles and so the the end result is something that's kind of like a a weird sort of um, mixed bag of each of our individual um, sort of um, creative processes and I guess each of the songs means something very different to us personally for that reason and it would be... um, We don't feel that it would be fair to tell the listener what they should interpret that piece of music as as we all find something different in it or find a different narrative or... Or thing um, to the music and we hope that you know someone listening to it will find their own interpretation their own uh, story and basically if we don't give you any information then you have to make sense of it yourself on your own terms and that's where we're happier
0: yeah it's interesting because a lot of bands sort of do that they'll have a set of lyrics obviously the music and they say even though they've got lyrics which tell a particular story, try to set a particular mood, they will still say, oh, we don't necessarily want to tell you what it means. We might give you a few hints, we might talk briefly about it. But you're sort of taking that to the extreme, saying, here's a piece of music and do with it as you will.
2: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And I guess, um, especially the world that we live in here in, you know, Australia, we're saturated in. Information. We're bombarded with so much um, information and material and sort of stimulus everywhere we go. And so I think that gets a bit tiresome. I find that it does, and I don't like being told what to think. So um, I guess if we can provide an antidote to that um, overbearing sense of information sharing, then that would make me happy.
0: Mm, that's really cool, because you sort of also giving people a kind of creative outlet for your creative
2: outlet. Yeah, totally. That's the idea. That's the idea. This is not... Um, our music is not a one-way street kind of thing and the reason that it's structured and occurs the way that it does is so that it's a different experience every time and not it's not just we're performing sort of at you. It's a shared thing from the people that are uh, in the room or the space wherever, wherever the event may occur yeah Mm. Mm.
0: so let's go back to the beginning how did the band start
2: Uh, the band started in a small barbershop in Battery Point which is a small suburb of Hobart Um, and uh, where Spencer works Um, he and I both work there now and this was the place where we started rehearsing together the three of us and uh, we did this on a weekly basis for a period of about two years um, before we performed for the first time. So we were, we've been together for a, a long time I guess, but performing for a lot less and so um, that's how we came to be, I guess, a long gestation period of working out who we are and what this project is, what this entity is. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. So- what is the process for working out what it is you're doing? Because you presumably trying to get to somewhere. Like you're not just saying, like, we don't know what we're doing, like you've got some idea <laughs> no,
2: of, no, of it's what a, you're doing. Yeah, no, that was I guess that was part of the part of the process we went through during that period before, as we were sort of trying to understand how it would all work, we would find for instance that if we wrote every detail and every nuance of a piece of music so that it was all sort of locked in and uh, strictly composed, then it just felt dead and like it didn't have any life to it. But if we went full improvisation and it was just totally loose, then you run the risk of it just kind of going nowhere and it being too sort of random and not having any intent. Uh, And so um, our process uh, or those, hard to put into words is kind of a combination of those two things it's a balance of experimentation but also kind of like a discipline thing I guess it's kind of trying to remember for you know each of our individual contributions on our own instrument that sometimes the, the best thing that we could do to contribute to to the piece of music that we're working on is to not play It's remembering that sometimes not playing is powerful and that's kind of a discipline thing, yeah.
0: Mm, I mean the first track of uh, the 2017 album, I think there's a large section where the drums are fairly absent. Yep. So yeah, it's definitely kind of an example of that. Um, Omahara, where does the name come
2: from? Uh, The name comes from uh, Indeterminate Origins. Mm, There's not an an answer, some questions don't have any answers. And that's one of them. Fair
0: yeah. enough. <laughs> so you've talked a little bit about the process of kind of finding your sound. Mm-hmm. What is that sound for people who are listening? Uh,
2: that will depend on when and where you see us play. It's not something that will stay in one place because one of the core things that this entity that is our sort of you know band... Um, has to maintain we believe is to always push forward always you know never get stuck in one place just doing the same thing and getting known for that one sound and just doing that over and over and over again because you're not pushing yourself and you're becoming complacent or something so um, if you're if you came and saw us um, say last year you would have uh, seen a show that was more uh, a melodic post-rock Ambient Doom sort of uh, presentation. If you come to tonight, for instance, you will see something that more closely resembles a travelling theatre show rather than a touring band.
0: So, what's the process for working out? So, between you know then and now, mm-hmm. have you just been sort of jamming and you know between each other? Is that the process of figuring out what you're going to be playing and then event- eventually at this different show?
2: Um, not really, it kind of comes from more of a personal place for each of us individually, I guess, so the music is a reflection of the participants who create it and the album, the first album that we, we released in 2014, for instance, is reflective of the members of the band at that time and where we all were in our lives then and likewise in 2017 and this new album that we will um, perform this evening is uh, reflective of who we are as people and also what we're wanting to express creatively, I guess it's um, an ever-evolving thing. That's interesting.
0: Um, Having arrived at this new album that we're going to play tonight, is there ever some thought in mind that you'll revisit hey let's go back and play something like the 2017 race hey we we'll go back and play the 2014 race are they in the past
2: yeah that's in the past I think um, yeah no that won't happen um, because that would be that would be contrary to our um, ideology as a band yeah mm-hmm. always push forward and leave the albums that we release and what and however whatever sort of trail we leave, um, in those, um, you know, in the past, but we'll constantly, uh, move forward. And that's, that's what you'll see when you come and see us so that we're sort of, um, you know, you're not seeing, you're not seeing a version of us that was from 2012. You're seeing this band now, and when you come and see us in a year's time, it'll be different again because we've all grown and, and evolved and changed, and so it's always designed to be at the forefront of the present,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you're playing tonight at Negfest? We are. What does this day look like for you so far?
2: This day? Oh, what, you meant for me personally? Is yeah, the thing? yeah oh, what this? have you been up to? Oh, man. Well, um, we played in Hobart last night, so... A bit of a late night there, I suppose. We uh, had the pleasure of, um, you know, domestic um, airplane travel within Australia, which was a wondrous experience, as it always is. Uh, I was um, belated to find that my guitar had not been destroyed by the baggage handlers on the way over here, so that's a win. Um, And this afternoon, I've just been enjoying the sun and far too much uh, excellent Italian pizza um, on my way here to the venue. But oh. um, yeah, it's been a wonderful weekend.
0: <laughs> so when you get on stage, mm. I this is kind of a weird question, but, like, what are you trying to do?
2: Um, we're... I suppose... I suppose I'll answer that question in, you know, relation to the material that we're performing this evening. Um, the... The intent, I think, of this evening's show will be to... Create a create a shared experience between everyone who's sort of engaged, and hopefully um, share an experience with everyone in the room that is unique to that environment, to now, to those people, and it, and everyone can go off into their own little world. That's kind of what we're about. It's sort of a subjective thing, I suppose, and we hope that. Somehow, in some unexplained fashion, at the close of our set, there will actually be no one left in the room and all these people that are here this evening will go missing. And they'll never be seen again.
0: Interesting. <laughs> um so as a guitarist of the band, mm-hmm. when did you start playing guitar?
2: Oh, um, Started playing the guitar. I guess I was probably about eight or nine. Um, my uh, mum had an old acoustic guitar in the wardrobe that she used to play when she was younger, and it had sat there collecting dust for many years. And I found it, and um, yeah, the rest is the rest has been up to me, basically. Yeah, that's it.
0: Uh, so. <laughs> I don't know, this vague kind of sphere of music in which you play, and I want to mm-hmm. keep that really sort of general, but like mm-hmm. it is a sort of specific thing mm-hmm. that's sort of separable from a lot of other music. How did you come to listen to that, to enjoy it, to want to play it?
2: Um, I think... Yeah, I'm not really sure how we've arrived at this point, I suppose. It's sort of, um, I guess when we're redeveloping our sound, which is a a constant endeavour, as soon as we're uh, writing a piece of music that starts to veer into a, a... sound that sounds like something else, you know, if it starts to veer off into uh, that's beginning to sound a bit mm, stoner metal or uh, that's beginning to sound a bit sort of ambient or whatever, as soon as it starts to sound like something that you're kind of aware of, then we, we stop and we go back and try and find uh, an in-between space, I guess, because I, I suppose if we um, I suppose the intent is that we yeah, have to try and make sure we're constantly in new territory so that the audience and we cannot become complacent in, in what's going on. Because if we say we slip into a, a, you know, a version of a genre of music that you're familiar with, say, oh, that sounds a bit like, I don't know, Earth, or oh, that sounds a bit like Britney Spears then there's a part of your brain that switches off because you're not having to think anymore. Yeah, so that's the territory that we avoid. Mm. Interesting. Uh,
0: um, um, So, for you personally, like, you're not with the rest of the band and you're interested in sort of exploring, I don't know, what the band could be, writing something for an album, just writing the material. What's that process like for you? Um,
2: it's kind of um, it's a long period of uh, experimentation for me. That it's not so much trying to f- um, trying to find the sound from. You know, an instrument or, uh, or you know, a piece of equipment or whatever it may be. It's it's more, I guess, a process of I have this idea in my head, and how do I convey that with the tools that I have at hand? How does how does this come out of this uh, strange organism that sits in between my ears, and how does that come out of the speaker, and how do I get that across to other people? It's more of a I guess it's more of a question. Yeah, it's more of a question than, than anything else. Just right, so try to answer that question. Yep, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, last question. Mm. Do you have any favourite bands or albums?
2: Oh, uh, my... Uh, yes, I do. I do have many. <laughs> to answer your question, yes, I do. That's right. Yeah, I totally have many.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, um, have you got any last words?
2: Last words? Are you about to kill me? Is that? Is this I one know. of those? Oh, okay. All right. Cool. Okay, that's good. You had me worried for a second there. Um, any last words? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, actually, I've, I'll. Um, I guess because you know, as is the usual case in this situation, you've been asking a lot of questions. So now I'm going to ask a question which you don't have to answer. And, and yeah. So my question is. Um, do spiders have tongues?
0: Um, I don't think so, because I think they liquefy their prey.
2: Oh, you reckon they liquefy
0: Because I'm, I'm pretty sure they inject it with some sort of chemical which liquefies <coughs> it and then they suck it. If you know, I'm not mistaken.
2: Oh, they slurp it up like, yeah. a, like a straw? Yeah. Mmm. You reckon that's all spiders, or just some? Um,
0: I'm not sure. I'm, yeah. so, uh, I'm slightly arachnophonic, excited. So I'm, 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 oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I asked, asked, but so I'm not that interested in
2: finding out. <laughs> no, no, nor am I. Nor am I. But that's a that's a space that we could explore. Someone else can do it on your behalf. I'm not going to force you into that situation. That would be great. Maybe you
0: guys can answer that in the next.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we'll answer that this evening. It'll be more of a science project than anything else. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Really looking forward to the next Omaha album when it comes out because I had quite a bit of difficulty following it um, on the show. They're a really interesting band. They've got different parts and it's kind of a bit difficult to understand. Even the influences, as you as they were talking about it, they intentionally don't go down paths which are particularly recognisable. So it was actually quite difficult to follow where anything was coming from. It would be really interesting to dissect it and sort of figure out, hang on, this is the kind of bass of where it's coming from. This is kind of the base of the idea. Really fascinating. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, finally, I got a little bit, a brief interview with Lachlan Dale who was organizing the event and is also the owner of Artist Catharsis, a really cool label up in Sydney, doing some really great stuff. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I did an interview with another Artist Catharsis band, Skull Cave. That interview is going to be coming out later this week, and I'll definitely be doing more interviews with Artist Catharsis bands, because as he mentions, he's trying to put together a roster of bands which are intentionally different from each other, which really gives a great variety of potential bands for the interview, really. Um, I'm really looking forward to what he's putting out, because I've interviewed a bunch of bands previously that he uh, is on the label and they they're just amazing quality they're all they're all really different and it's just a good experience to to know that there's someone like Lachlan who's putting out this great music and supporting the scene because it's it's difficult he, you know, he talks about that it's something he loses money on the bands lose money on so there's going to be people out there with enough passion to just put their hearts into it regardless of whether it's actually going to benefit them in some sort of material sense a really really good interview and um, hopefully uh, I'll be able to chat with him later about Hashishin's new record I'm not sure whether it's coming out but really excited So what's the process from mm. sort of conception to fruition? Well, I guess it's different for every show, but for this one,
3: I really wanted to um, give Bolt Gun, Omaha and, and Convulsion some shows. So, you know, i worked with each of them in the past, and I just wanted to be able to put on some stuff on the East Coast so they had an opportunity to play to a wider audience. So, you know, really, I've been running this each year. They were, they were kind of, I guess, the obvious choices. You look at locking in a couple of local
0: headliners in your venue, and then you just kind of fill it out from there. That's really cool. Um, So, like you mentioned, Bolt Gunner, uh, Convulsion. Like, why why those bands? Why those? What you're really considering?
3: I guess I like bands generally that are doing something a little bit different. So, you know, like Convulsing play this really progressive, like experimental form of death metal that I find really cool like playing with time signatures and weird chordal structures and stuff. Um, Omahara are kind of like this kind of ambient drone band who I think you know create really interesting music, improvised pieces. And then Bolt kind of, kind of this, I guess, they were, they were writing music to these kind of 70s Russian, uh, I guess, horror films, thriller films or something like that. So they're really kind of cinematic, blending like post rock and, yeah. and black metal and that type of stuff. So all, all those bands, to me, are doing doing interesting stuff. Hmm.
0: That's cool. yeah. So how does the day unfold for you? I
3: mean, the day is all pretty easy you now. Like at this point, everything's kind of in play. Um, the biggest thing for me is just making sure that all the bands are booked in ahead of time, and you announce it, you can advertise it, you can sell tickets. So. When it comes to the day, I'm just kind of here, meeting bands, meeting people at the venue, sound engineers, making sure everyone knows who I am, if they have a problem, they can run up and say hi to me. But uh, most of the organising is done by this point. That's
0: really cool. Talk a little bit about the label. Um, How did it start? We have talked a little bit about it in the past, but I think we've mm-hmm. gone to that kind of depth. How did the label start?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was helping a friend out with their record label for quite a few years, but music wasn't quite um, wasn't quite gelling with me. so. Eventually I just figured, hey, look, I might as well just start this on my, on my own. And I really enjoyed um, learning about Bandcamp, which gives, I think, small artists and small labels a, a real control over their music and was, was building a strong community. So that really gave me the opportunity to start releasing music that I thought was cool. And as time went on and I met more bands and got a bit more confidence, I, I started putting, you
0: know, weirder and more varied stuff out and, yeah, the, the feedback's been really good. Mm, no, definitely. You're yeah. such a great one, many of you in the past, um, like what, what do you do as the label, what's what's the kind of thing that the label does? <laughs> well, I think a lot of labels have different
3: models. My model, I, I, mo- uh, I mainly put, on, put in time in terms of like securing uh, press interviews and reviews and airplay, so I'm primarily like kind of press engagement um, for bands and artists, so Make sure the, the records get covered in the media. Uh, I do a little bit of marketing as well, like digital marketing stuff. Um, I've tried to build up artist catharsis as a community as well, so you know you have these these people who are fans of the label who are who are willing to check out you know the stuff that we release. But yeah, that, that would take up the bulk of my time. Mm. What well, are some of the challenges as a label? I, I think it depends what you're trying to do it for. Like I'm not really fussed about making money or even growing, like I just don't care. I'm, I'm just here to try and help out bands wherever I can. So, dude, if I get a few people saying they're enjoying the stuff they're putting out, then I'm pretty stoked. As long as the bands are happy. Um, honestly, you know, there's admin work and there's some drudgery around it, but, but really I'm just happy to have the opportunity to help out. To, yeah,
0: yeah. What are the kind of bands do you
3: I think it changes. I've been getting this this idea of like curating my releases. So, you know, if you do a, if you do like a, say if you do a death metal act, well, your next band should, next release shouldn't be a death metal act. Why not make it like, you know, Persian classical music? And then after that, why not like experimental jazz? And then after that, why not noise? So, I think for me that flow of, of the balance of releases is really important. Um, and yeah, look, I'm just generally trying to expand the scope of the label and you know, as I learn about new styles of music and new bands, I want right. to be able to incorporate that into what the label does.
0: So unlike a kind of traditional label where they really tend to group similar bands, they're selling mm. a kind of genre or a, a yeah. subsection of music, you're specifically trying to get a, a variety of bands which are intentionally different from each other.
3: Yeah, and look, I feel like there is like a thread underneath that connects them all. I feel all of them have some degree of like an experimental or progressive approach to songwriting or their music. So it doesn't matter if it's folk or if it's jazz. Like I feel like uh, there's a common approach that threads at least most of them together.
0: Perfect. Um, What are some of the releases you have on the horizon? So I think Mm. the last one... so, I think Skull Cave is coming out in you know, a week or Yeah, a week or two, yeah. That's uh, beyond that, what do you what have? You well, there's a handful of things coming up for the rest
3: of the year. Like There's a lady uh, we should be working with called Zella Morgasian, who's like an Armenian pianist. Um, so, she does this kind of Armenian-influenced jazz stuff, which is kind of cool, Like just kind of like t- Tigran Hamasayan. I've got Big Dead coming out from Brisbane, who are kind of like this jazzy, experimental indie thing. Um, what else have I got? Anti-Guitar Trio, which is like fairly intricate, complex guitar compositions. I um, wonder what else? Oh, we do, we're doing, we've been collaborating a bit with this UK label Small Pond, so we're helping them with a few records coming up. There's In Technicolor from Brighton in the UK, who do kind of like sludgy, stoner, doomy stuff. Uh, and another one called Town Portal who kind of progressive rock and metal and math rock all kind of mixed together so we're helping out with their new record
0: as well. Mm, really cool. Um, in terms of your personal music projects um, I think they're actually drift for days. Uh, what, what's happening with both of these bands? Um, so I've been in a few So it
3: used to be in Serious Beak as well and Jackals but they have kind of wound down for the moment. A drift for days. I'm not sure. Like, we may be, may be on a bit of a hiatus. We can't we'll kind of see what happens at the moment. Um, but look, a lot of my energy is going into writing this new Hash and record with the other guys, and we're hoping to record by the end of the year. So just, that's really sucked up a whole lot of energy. And I've got a few other little projects which may or may not, you know, turn into something. But you know, I'm, I'm jamming with a few people and exploring some new forms of music, and just kind of see whether they
0: eventually or not. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an experiment, more experimental band. Like how I can should. I shouldn't, but anyway, um, like how, how do you go about approaching a new record yeah, after the yeah. last one is kind of, you've
3: sealed it up and you've sent it out? It's a fucking nightmare. Before we recorded the, the last album, we were kind of like, I don't, we didn't understand what we're creating, you know, didn't really didn't really know what it meant to sound like, so then when we recorded the album, we mixed it, it was like, ah, I kind of get it, I kind of get what this is meant to sound like now. But then this next record, we've really tried to avoid sounding like that again. So we're kind of in the same place of you know, incorporating a lot of different instruments, different sounds and writing styles and kind of sitting on these songs and going, they're weird, I guess they're cool. I don't, again, they really know how they're going to turn out. They don't know how people are going to feel about them. So there's been a lot of like anxiety around what the hell we're creating, but I think we're at the point where we're, we're just going to go ahead with it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, cool. Um... Before we finish off, any final words, any, anything you'd like to say? Oh, and just,
3: like, thank you so much for putting, you know, your time and energy into doing this podcast. Like, I think this is what's so cool about the Australian music scene. There are people writing blogs and, and running podcasts, and, you know, ba- bands like the ones we're seeing tonight, they, they're not going to make a stack of money. They're going to lose money. I'm, I'm losing money by he- being here, but we're here because we, you know, we give a shit about the music, and we want to help create a strong community. So, yeah, just thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank
0: you, Very special thanks to everyone who was interviewed for today's show. Uh, Brendan Sloan from Convulsing, Ryan from Omaha, and Lachlan Dale from Artist Catharsis. Really, really appreciate all the work he does, and really appreciate me setting up with himself, Omaha, as well as a free guest pass to the show. Make sure you tune in later this week and we'll be having an interview with Skull Cave, really cool other band on Artist Catharsis, doing some kind of... <sighs> kind of difficult to describe it's a combination of doom alternative rock um sort of like kind of a feeling broader than that really excited stuff i'm sort of trying to spread my wings and trying to do this show trying to get better at all the things that i know i should be good at like i know interviewing speaking editing um and yeah have you got any thoughts about like hey this is kind of a better way to do things or hey i've got a comment hey i've got a question hey i've got something some topic i should talk about hey this is a good recommendation for music hey i'm in a band and would love to be interviewed send me an email australianhunger at gmail.com or you can hit me up on twitter at srhgbg and i look forward to seeing you at the end of this week's go Cave, get excited